Welcome to Faith Family in the Force. I'm Oliver. And I'm Annabeth. Faith Family in the Force is a podcast about just that. Our faith, our family, and our experiences as Oliver is in the Air Force. And on today's episode, we talk about my deployment to Africa. Okay, deployment round two. Can you give us an overview, a summary? Of the whole deployment? Oh, man, that's a, that's a big one. So I was deployed for five to six months to Africa. So I know a lot of people, when they think of deployments, they normally think the Middle East. But the United States military is deployed all throughout the world, and we're doing good things for people and helping stop bad guys. So I was deployed to Africa for about five to six months, and I got to experience all the seasons there. It's mostly hot. Like, it's just mostly hot there. The whole time you were there, how many times did it rain? Um, So while I was on the ground, not flying, and I actually felt raindrops probably less than three times. I never, like, and I'm talking like sprinkles. Like, I never, like, it wasn't legit rain. No storms. No storms. Now. Did you bless the rains? <laughs> wow. You can't bring up Africa without talking about blessing the rains down in Africa. Obviously, I didn't because it didn't rain while we were on the ground. However, I flew through some thunderstorms and big storms like that. And we'll just leave that part at that because that was pretty scary. For sure. Okay. And would you say similar to your first deployment? Very different. What do you think? Um, it was similar to my first deployment, but very different at the same time. So I'm just going to say yes. I will say like, for those who don't know, I'm a pilot. I fly planes and that's That's what a pilot is. (laughs) Thank you for the definition. I'm a pilot. I can fly. Um, and so I, I move people and their things from point A to point B. That's really all I do. The first deployment and the second deployment comparing them. Are it's like comparing apples and oranges, but at the same time, it's you're comparing those fruits and they still taste the same. It's really strange. Okay, so do you have any good experiences that you want to share? Yes, so I spent five to six months flying all over the continent of Africa, and I got to stop in some really cool places and eat some really cool food and meet cool people and just share culture that is so old and different than my own like and it's that that continent is just really cool like I don't think the history classes I took in high school and middle school and even in college do it justice with how much their cultures is so different uh historical relevancy of like colonialism it's like very much alive there it's a little bit of a step back in time it's like going to the deep south and going back in time but this is like deeper like Africa it's weird one of the cool experiences I had I was in Uganda and we were staying the night there um, just to get gas and stuff and we had to stay it was great it's beautiful beautiful country totally recommend going and I got to go to an animal conservatory so like the national Ugandan it's pretty much a zoo except they raise and release the animals back into the African wild And it was just such a blessing. It was wild because if you've been to a lot of zoos around the States, they have like all these like 
cages and very big safety things in hand. That wasn't like entirely the case there. Like their monkeys are just everywhere and animals are roaming around and they have a lot more relaxed rules and stuff like that. It was a huge blessing and I have some cool pictures petting rhinoceroses, rhinoceri, rhinoceroses and feeding like some tigers and stuff and all the money that we paid to go like tour and see these animals went directly to the wildlife refugees. So that was really sweet. And I got to eat some like fresh cut jackfruit, like the tree above us. They were like, do you want one? And we we're like, yeah, that one. And they climbed up there and got the jackfruit for us. And we ate it while we toured around the zoo. And it was just awesome. It was really cool. Okay. Can we bring up, if y'all have listened to the first a while ago, the first deployment episode we did. And Oliver told this story about how their plane broke and he got stuck and didn't have his phone, any clothes, or anything with him. And you would think he learned his lesson, but what happened this time? So my crew and I, all handful of us, were flying along and we hit a bird. It is common practice in the airline. And you can you hit birds all the time. Like, I'm sure if you've ever flown on an airline plane, your plane may have hit a bird. You just didn't know about it. Fun fact. But for this one, it hit the plane and it broke the plane in a part that we needed to be able to continue our missions and stuff like that. So we were broken in the Sahara Desert for approximately 10 days or so. And I didn't have clothes on me. We had you didn't left. Have clothes on you. No, I was I was wearing clothes. Let me rephrase that. I didn't have a bag of clothes with me because we were just flying out to a couple airfields and flying back. And it it was hot and morbid and sad. And so luckily, my crew and I were able to borrow. We we were like Mary and Joseph looking for rooms to stay in. We ended up finding like some firefighters who donated clothes to us. And so we were like a bunch of kids whose home had just burned down. We looked like a bunch of orphans walking around trying to just get food and water and housing to let us live for another 10 days until we could fix our airplane. And we smelled so bad and we hadn't shaved and all this stuff because none of us brought any of that. We just didn't bring it. We were like, yeah, we're going to go back and stay on this place and... Everything will be great. You know, we'll sleep in our bed tonight. Nope, that wasn't the case. So, yeah, I did not learn my lesson from my first appointment about always packing clothes and everything. It took me – I've sp- I spent more time deployed, like, broken without clothes than I than I ever want to again. So that third deployment, <laughs> maybe you'll learn your lesson. Maybe. I think this uh, the third deployment, uh, I'll have lots of lessons learned. Okay, so anything else just in the overview experiences? Anything come to mind? Um, Not really. I mean, just it's like any other deployment, like my first one and second one. And if you're a spouse out there listening, I'm sure, um, or if you're a deployed member listening, I'm sure you understand, like, you work constantly. You know, you're it's 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And so the grind is real and it's tough, but that's just part of the expectation. And it was good. Like I I felt like I left it all out on the field, if you will. If you're an athlete, you get that saying. Mm -hmm. 
Um, no regrets in Africa for sure. I didn't bless the rains as much. I I didn't listen to that song by like twice. So I felt a little sad about that. Um, okay. And what about your, your living conditions this time? Um, so living conditions in the military, just in general, right? Like it's very Spartan like and rough and stuff like that. So I happen to live in like a shipping container and if you're, it's super resourceful, first of all, because shipping containers, like they, they're metal, you can insulate them and all this stuff and it's great, but they're tiny. So, uh, I sent Oliver several packages while he was gone, which we'll talk more about in the next episode probably, but (laughs) I sent him every time like printed out pictures of me and Jude and I sent him a bunch of just magnets and he could literally hang them up anywhere in his room because it was all shipping containers. So he could put it on the ceiling, on the wall, like anywhere and it stuck to it. It was super sweet. Yeah, I had magnets all over my room and I even left some for like the next guy or girl that lives there and just was like, you know what? You enjoy these magnets because I'm not taking them home with me. It, was, it wasn't bad. The showers were small. We had this old joke that you could go in the shower, put soap on the wall, like spray your body wash and just spin around and you would get clean. And it, I mean, it's military base. It's Africa. Everything is dirty. You're hot all the time and sweating. So, but you sleep and you work and you sleep again and work the next day. But you did have the opportunity to stay in a hotel like a few times. Yes, I did. I stayed in a a handful of different African hotels, which let me just tell you, it's very different experiences than American hotels. So if you're thinking like your Holiday Inn, Best Western, like $100 a night type hotel, 120 or something, like your money goes a lot farther in Africa. So like spending $120 or so will take you to a nicer hotel most of the time if you're not in like a touristy area or whatnot. And it's different. Like I had a hotel room where I had actual key for the door that I broke off in the door and I had to come get a locksmith and they were all mad at me. And like, I don't know, it's just really different. Like air conditioning is not a huge thing there, by the way, too. So you open a lot of windows and doors and the bugs or mosquitoes are, oh my gosh, like growing up in Mississippi, mosquitoes are big there, but they're really big in Africa. Oh, I bet. And then you also had some nights where you slept in a tent. Yep, I did that. <laughs> slept in a tent. Um, and that's like the more like super traditional deployed experience and stuff. And I don't know. That's not too bad. Yeah. Okay. So next thing, just communication. Huge part, especially if you are married while you're deployed, have kids, or just have family members in general. Your mom still wants to talk to you, I'm sure, while you're gone. So what was that like this time? So first off, the misconception about Africa not being developed and having cell phones and stuff is completely false. So just get that out of your heads right now. Like, It's not great cell phone coverage everywhere in Africa. Think about like being in rural countryside in the United States and sometimes calls drop and stuff. But most everywhere has Wi-Fi that you need, which nowadays that's all you need just to be able to iMessage and WhatsApp people and stuff like that. Um, I would probably call my mom and family every four or five days. It would just drive me crazy anyways to call 
outside of you and immediate loved ones to talk to like more than that, just cause I'd, I'd be too busy or I wouldn't have anything to talk about or stuff like that. Yeah. I would say we didn't have any problems, um, when we wanted to talk, talking like it, we didn't talk or didn't not talk because of Wi-Fi or whatever. Like if we wanted to, we were able to, um, the biggest things that caused us not to be able to talk was just like flying and time zone. Um, which, what was the difference? Eight hours? Um, sometimes it was seven. Sometimes it was nine. Sometimes it was eight. It was, it changed depending on what part of Africa I was in. And the time changed here, like daylight savings or whatever happened while you were gone too. So that threw everything off a little. <laughs> yeah. Time zones are, are crazy. Um, especially, and I talked about it in my last appointment uh, episode, but just getting out there is different and then coming home is really different mm-hmm. and you're just so jet lagged and tired and being on the road going two or three time zones changing in a day, even you can really mess up your schedule and food schedule, but you figured it out. Yeah. I think it took us, I mean, a, a week or two, but then we just got into a routine of, Oliver basically was, it was kind of evening, afternoon, evening-ish when I would get up. And so we would be able to text and talk when he wasn't flying, of course, but we would be able to text and talk throughout the day until about one or two in the afternoon, my time. And that was usually when he was going to sleep. So, I mean, from the time I got up and I got up early because Jude, um, so we talked, you know, most the first half of the day for me and the latter half of the day for him, I would say. Absolutely. And I would, I would say with communication, we were very fortunate to be able to do that. And there was like a couple of days where we, I just wasn't able to talk to Annabeth. I was either too busy or out of pocket or whatever the case is. And I would tell you guys as the listeners, if your loved one is deploying or you have deployed or currently or whatever the case is, you can establish either a routine and just be open about communi- communicate about communication. And that's a big thing. Tell your loved one what you want and what you expect. And then understand that sometimes it might not be feasible to talk that much or talk that less. And just try to make it work. Because as long as you're communicating about communication and trying, it's going to be a lot better than just not even talking about it. Mm-hmm. I will say this time around, it was just a lot harder for me to keep up a text conversation with throughout the day for me because I was doing stuff with Jude uh, and I just couldn't, I didn't have the like just physical, I was busy and had him and was doing other things, but also sometimes just like mentally I could not keep a text conversation going and it was honestly better to just be able to call and talk for 30 minutes than try to text for on and off for three hours yeah I definitely would agree with this one that and even my last one we have that routine of a good 10-15 minute conversation once every other day like fulfills our need of talking and we can get a lot done and have an efficient good communication conversation Yeah, it's crazy too. Like, you just kind of, you just adjust. You really do. And you get as much as you can and 
and need out of the the time that you have and you make it work. Because now when Oliver's at home, if he only talked to me, you know, for 15 minutes a day, I'd be like, what in the world? You're, what's your problem? Um, but yeah, you just kind of, it's like your body adjusting to a time zone or adjusting to weather, you know, and you just kind of, you adjust and it, and you still need to make communication a priority and you still need to be honest and try to help each other. Um, but you, I don't know, you kind of figure it out. Does that make sense? Yeah. I think, I think the thing is, and I saw this my first deployment and a lot less my second, cause I had experienced it. Right. I had some, um, experience with it is that I didn't fight that adjustment. I just kind of let it happen. And I think you did that as well. And we were able to slip into a nice groove of communication. And so I would implore you guys listening, if you're in a situation, kind of go with the flow a little bit. And then if you're still not happy with it, give it a week or two, um, especially if you're just getting beginning started in a deployment or something, um, then talk about that. Be like, hey, I've tried to go with it. It's not working out. Like, Let's try something different. Yeah, you got to find the line between not being able to talk as much and them not being as involved as they would be when they're at home, but also your needs still needing getting fulfilled. And if something's not working or if you feel like, hey, we really aren't talking enough or our conversations aren't quality enough telling them that but then also realizing sometimes that the quantity of the conversation is going to be much less yeah absolutely and if it seems like we're talking about communication a lot it's because it's super important and we care about it and it's something we have made a priority even at home or when i'm deployed or whatever the case is to spend some time on and i think it's worth sharing with you guys especially if it makes your deployment a little bit easier for you at home or you abroad or just your relationship better, that's that meets our whole goal of this whole podcast, just to help one person out. Yeah, and there's not much else you can do when deployed besides communicate. It's not like you can physical touch or like these other love language. You can in some ways, but I mean, communication is the main and almost only thing that you really have available have you seen those like lights that change colors or like gloves that they say it's like things that have pressure plates in them and you can like put them on and feel like (laughs) physical touch from it's kind of creepy in a way but i guess if that meets your meets your love language do whatever you know yeah okay so what do you think was easier for you this deployment so i had some expectation right and i had some experience handling it like the and we were talking about this before the podcast my first deployment I had a lot of stress about going to fight war and being deployed and all that right and this deployment I didn't have that stress and anxiety the same way it was a little bit still there I would be ridiculous to say I wasn't worried about it or nervous but I was more like taken aback by how long I was gone. Like six months is a long time to be away from your family and in a whole different continent you've never been to and experiencing all these things. So that was very difficult. 
I was very fortunate to be with a good group of people who may, helped out with that a lot. Um, I'm trying to think. There was there was just some tough spots, um, whether it was at work or flying, some challenges I faced and problem sets I had that I really had to keep a cool head about and be calm and work my way through it. And then there was other times where the hardest thing I did that day was lift weights in the gym, which is always a good thing. Yeah. So for me, uh, easier, it's funny cause some stuff with Jude was harder because he was older and just taking care of him by myself and different things like that. But it was easier with him this time because the first time that Oliver was deployed, um, Jude was not walking yet. I was still breastfeeding him. He was still waking up at night, things like that. And so I felt so much more of like, I need a break from Jude. I need someone else to hold him. I need someone else to just hang out with him. And I, this time, did not have that same. He's just more independent. And so I didn't feel that huge need of like, oh my gosh, I need a break from you. Um, so I think in that sense, it was easier. Um, I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, definitely. And from that perspective of like my relationship with Jude, I know we're going to talk, we're going to spend a whole episode talking about having a toddler while deployed and stuff, but I felt like the hardest part for that was I was missing out on so much more of him growing up over a six month span. And I came home and he was not the same kid as when I left. And that was heart crushing, even though very blessed and happy and super thankful for technology nowadays, right? FaceTime and Skype and all that good stuff to see him grow and be able to talk to him regularly still. But it was just difficult when he was learning all these new words and physically growing and stuff. And I missed that. And that was tough. Yeah. And it got to the point Oliver would ask me, <laughs> oh, did you learn? Has he learned any new words? And I would be like, I, I don't even know what to tell you. Like it's multiple new words a day. Like I can't even keep up <laughs> to tell you what new words or new things he has learned. Yeah. So what, I know you want to talk about this, your experience with, I was gonna talk about that. with it being very like long. Yeah. Well, I wouldn't say it was Super long, but it was harder. That was one thing that was harder for me this time because it was longer um, than the first time. And that was hard. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And like I said, anyone who's doing a six month or even a year deployment, like my hat is off to you and your family and all your support with that because it is difficult. It's a long time. And that was very difficult for me, even though like I was like I said, very fortunate. I was able to stay busy and all the tasks and things I were doing didn't, they were fruitful. Like yeah. it's really nice in life when you're able to have a job or a task at hand and you can produce fruit or some kind of outcome and see it. Yeah. And that's something, even though something you do right now, like you may not see the fruit of it, but ideally you can, you can get there visually with it. Yeah, I remember when I dropped Oliver off and we, the date that we thought he was guesstimate of when he was coming home ended up being sooner than we thought. But we didn't know that, obviously, when I dropped him off for his deployment. And I remember just being like, 
I didn't, I <laughs> was like, you didn't cry when you dropped me off. And I didn't because I was like, I cannot wrap my head around you being gone for six months. Like I just couldn't grasp that. Like it felt like such a, that's a long time. I mean, half a year and him missing a lot of things. Um, and so I couldn't even cry cause I couldn't even grasp like that he was actually going to be gone that long. Yeah, I walked through security and sat with all my friends with red puffy eyes and doing that like snotty cry like <gasps> I miss my wife and kids. Kids? <laughs> Just one. Oh. Yeah, they yeah, you know what I meant. <laughs> I know I think I said this on our last last year's deployment episode, but deployment is such a mental game. Like your last deployment, you're supposed to come home at a date or whatever and it was like almost a month later than they had originally thought and I remember saying if you would have just told me that you were coming home at the later date originally I wouldn't have been like oh this last month is so hard and I'm so frustrated that you're not home and stuff it would have just been like oh okay but because you're supposed to be home already it made it so much harder and then so same thing with this one of Oliver came home earlier than the original date. And once he came home, I was like, oh, this was so easy. You were gone such a short amount of time. Like, it wasn't bad at all. Um, but then, like, looking back on it, I'm like, oh, wait, don't forget August and September, <laughs> like, how hard those months were for you. Yeah, definitely. And... I'm sure we have talked about it on the past podcasts and stuff, but I'll mention it again. It really, it sucks for both the military member and the family members and everyone involved, even the people at work who are standing by to go out the door to replace you and their families when you either come home early or go come home later because they're getting moved around and stuff too. And somebody's always going to have to miss Christmas. Somebody's going to miss anniversaries and, I, the guys I was with, we were in the mindset and like, Hey, we're missing Christmas this year mm -hmm. and we're okay with that because that means our buddies and our friends get to be with their loved ones. And fortunately for us, they were like, you're going home before Christmas. And we were all like, yay. But what about our friends who had already told their family that we're going to be at their family's house for Christmas and stuff. Right. So I was happy, but sad at the same time. Mm -hmm because they're people I care and love. And it is just that. It's a big mental game. And you handled it like a champion. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. So getting into the support structure I kind of just mentioned, what were some difficult things about the support structure that you had, babe? I know you wanted to talk about that. Yeah. So I want to tread lightly here, but I... Um reached out to some people that I knew um, that were other spouses and girlfriends of people that were getting deployed with Oliver and reached out to some people that I had not met before or maybe had met, but very briefly, like we weren't friends. Um, and just basically invited all of them to come to dinner at my house every Sunday night um, just because we were all alone, quote unquote, and kind of thought in, in my mind thought that it would be a, like, 
we're all in this together. We're going to support each other through this where you can understand what everyone, each other's going through in a way that some of, you know, my family or my other friends can't because they aren't going through it or they have not been there. And thought that I would get really close to this group of girls. Um, and that was not the case. <laughs> um, it just didn't work out. It, we, you know, had a, a handful, maybe three, four dinners, maybe. Um, and people just couldn't come, weren't interested, whatever. Um, their reasonings were, and it really affected my whole outlook of the first half of this deployment. Um, it made me think that I didn't have support, that I didn't have a good group of friends around me, that I, I didn't have people that understood what I was going through and made me think that the, the, the whole deployment was way more difficult than it actually was, I think. Wow. I'm sorry that that happened because <laughs> that really sucks. And fortunately, good news is everybody out there, all the guys were like, we should get together and stuff. Like, we really should hang out more. And I'm like, yeah, we tried. And it's just part of it. And, you know, it's one of those things. You like anything else. You just have to be really intentional about it. And even though sometimes it fails and that Sunday night dinner doesn't go through, you still have to keep trying and you keep trying because that's ultimately what we're called to do is just continually love one another and continue that support. Granted, there is a time and place to say like, okay, like we'll put a pause on this for a little bit and try again next time. But as long as you keep trying, like I was proud of you. Yeah. So that was the biggest thing. And I, when I realized I, I did. I kept trying, and I ha remember having a f multiple conversations with Oliver of, like, when do I stop? Like, do I keep trying and keep reaching out to these people because I do think it's a good thing, and I do want them to know I'm here for them, and I do want to be friends with them, or, but also it's affecting me a lot, um, and affecting my mood and my outlook of this whole deployment a lot. Like, at what point do I give up? And is it okay to give up? And basically, he was like, yes, it's okay. Kind of gave me, like, that permission or, like, uh, affirmation of what I needed to hear of, like, yes, it's okay they're not showing up and you can't force them to show up. Um, and once I kind of let go of that, it really, I felt like a weight was off my shoulders. I felt like the deployment wasn't as hard and realized that I had let that one thing make me think, oh, this deployment is terrible. I don't have any support. When in reality, I did. And the deployment wasn't terrible. Um, Oliver and I were communicating well. And I had other friends that I saw every single week. I had my family that came to visit a few times. And I went and visited them. 
Um, so the support was there, but I was letting this, that one thing of, because I, I, I had set expectations in my head and had pretty big expectations for it. Um, and so I really let those expectations take over. Yeah, definitely. Um, I thought it was a learning point. And we talked, we did a whole series on resiliency and stuff and just being able to bounce back. And ultimately that's what, that's what it was. It's like, Hey, this isn't working. I've tried and I've tried. I'm not going to continue to let this bother me and I'm going to continue to do my best that I can and we'll bounce back from it things like that. So I was super, super happy with how you handled it. I know it was super stressful and it, it did bleed into becoming stressful on me because now instead of maybe focusing on my flight or work, I was thinking about, oh man, I wish that they were doing these Sunday night dinners or whatever the case is. And I'm best not happy. So nobody's happy, but that's okay. And we got through and we talked about it because we intentfully prioritized communication and our feelings and we, we just were open. Yeah, for sure. And, um, but I do want to ask, and open this conversation of what happens though if you are trying, you are reaching out, you're trying to make friends. Maybe you're new to an area, your husband just got deployed, so you don't know a ton of people yet. Um, and then something like this, you try and it doesn't work, or you try to make friends or meet up with people and they ghost you. Or your family's supposed to come visit and somebody gets COVID. You know, so many things now um, like that can happen. And what happened? Like, what do you do when you truly don't have the support like that, that you, everybody in the military talks about? Oh, military wives usually are great and you usually do make great friends. But just what happens? What do you do if you don't have that? I think first off, you have to identify it and define like what exactly you were looking for and your expectation for it. And then secondly, once you've identified it and that realization, control the controllables and don't worry about the uncontrollables. You can't help the fact that so-and-so got sick and had to cancel, like your family members can't come down now. That's not on you. So you don't need to carry that burden yes, it sucks and it's still stressful and you're missing out on being with family or whatever the case is for that situation, right? And then another thing I would say is like voice that opinion. Like don't be afraid to say like, hey, I need help because you're exactly right. In the military, we do pride ourselves on our support networks and things like that. And occasionally it falls through the cracks and goes to the wayside when stuff happens. And if you're saying hey, like, this is failing, I need some help. Somebody, hopefully, that's, I mean, that's what you're coming down to is like, hey, like, I'm the squeaky will, I need some grease here, like, help me out. Don't be afraid to voice that. Like, you have to be humble about it and just realize that, oh, wow, I do need some help. And the things I, my support network is crumbling and get back on it. And that's that resiliency. That's the understanding of I saw what I could control and what I couldn't control and I'm reaching out. Yeah. I would say a few things. One, keep trying, keep trying to make friends. And if it's not working with the group of people that you're supposed to be friends with, quote unquote, or that you are friends with, but it's just not working at the time, 
make new friends, like try a different group. Um, don't be afraid to just post like in a Facebook group, like your squadrons or the whole wives of the air force group or, you know, whatever military spouse group you're in. Like, don't be afraid to be like, Hey, I'm in this area. Does anyone want to hang out? Because normally people will be like, heck yeah, I'll hang out with you. Um, also, I mean, if you are a faith person, go to church, like get put in a group, ask people for help, ask to, you know, find some friends that way. Um, but also if you, you know, are new to an area, obviously try to make friends and get involved with different things wherever, um, go to the gym, you know, volunteer, whatever your interests are. But if your family members can't come visit, you can't come visit your family members, FaceTime a lot. Or your friends that don't live near you, FaceTime them, do a book club with people, do, you know, a fun Zoom date with your friend group or whatever. Like, find ways to stay connected to the people that truly you care about and truly care about you. And like Oliver was saying, tell people, even if the people that aren't near you, like, hey, I need help and the you might not be able to help me any other way but like texting and checking on me every day. That helps, you know, a text a day goes a long way. Wow. I rhymed. <laughs> You've been on this rhyming kick. I love it. So do you want to continue to move on here? Sweet. So homecoming, what was good? What was bad? What, what do you like about homecoming? Okay, well... We found out, Oliver and I, Oliver found out, I guess, and relayed it to me, sort of, that, you know, he was going to come home earlier than expected. And when we found that out, we decided to hold off on telling our family just in case something happened and he didn't get to come home early, you know, before Christmas. Um, But then also, if he did, we could surprise everyone. And that was so fun. Yeah, so I was, like I said, very fortunate, and I've already said my piece about coming home before Christmas and staying and missing Christmas, if that was the case. But came home before Christmas, was down at the house, and processed and everything back into the squadron, reintegrated and all that stuff, and then drove up to Memphis, like, same day, as fast as I could, legally, and surprised everyone. And I hate surprises, but when you're on the other end of them, like giving the surprise, it was so awesome. Yeah, it was great. And just a really cool Christmas, like that will be memorable for everyone. I will say we're glad that we did it for sure. hundred um, percent. But also it, it, it was overwhelming at some points for Oliver to literally leave deployment and come back and just be thrown into Christmas with all of our family. <laughs> yeah, I I mean, I was I mean, I'm not I'll be the first one to admit it. I was very socially overwhelmed. I didn't cuz I'd been talking to the same group of people every single day for 6 months about the same more or less the same stuff and we've all gotten really comfortable with each other and then I get home and and I'm just thrown to the lion's den of Annabeth and my family and I'm just like oh my gosh I need to get away for a little bit I'm gonna walk into the other room or something and 
there's a reason like you come home for deployment and you get so many weeks off from work or whatever the case is because you need to reintegrate and that's we could do a whole episode and I'll probably talk about it next time but just coming back home and that that is difficult in itself because I'm having to make decisions that I'm not used to making and then I'm having I ate a planned meals for like five or six months I never thought about once what I was going to eat it just was there and then I come home and I have to get asked what restaurant I want to go to it was so overwhelming. Yeah, for sure. And so our fam- like family was understanding about that somewhat, but they just didn't think about that. I mean, who would you you just don't know. Um and so I did try to help as much as I could and we did try to communicate. Um but it was kind of like just endure this like have fun as much fun as you can for these week and a half that we're here and then we're going to go home and just be able to relax and truly reintegrate at that point yeah and you know what's strange I found myself getting like overwhelmed in the weirdest places I the two times I went to church just the from the music and everything I I didn't have like a panic attack or anything but I was just like I didn't know how to, like, my brain kind of just shut off, and I just was, like, really weird. It was just strange, and I thought it was normal, and I've talked to my buddies about it, and we've all experienced different stuff like that, and I'm very open to talking about things that happened. And so, I, I don't know, it was just weird, but I was very happy to surprise everyone, and the video is up on our Instagram. You can go and watch it. It was really cool. It wasn't, I wasn't in the uniform or anything. There wasn't, like, a big bunch of people around it was pretty intimate just surprising and the best parents and my mom and stuff it was awesome yeah it was great um what was just your favorite part of coming home um for christmas i had i only got to open like one or two gifts which was my favorite part because i hate opening gifts in front of people so no one had gotten me any gifts and it was so funny the whole time because they were like, oh, we didn't know you were coming. We didn't bring you a Christmas gift. But luckily, shout out to Uncle Jonathan and Aunt Amanda. They always bring like tons of books and stuff just to like share. And that was one of my favorite things was the fact that it was just just chill. I didn't have to open a lot of gifts and I got a bunch of books. Yeah, it was a good, it was very chill, fun, easygoing Christmas. So that was good. But um, yeah, I don't know. Do you have anything else? I I think we've about talked all that we can talk. I'm starting to lose my voice. So yeah, I don't have anything else to say. Yeah, this will be a little bit longer episode, but that's okay. Yep. Well, we hope you guys enjoyed the episode and we appreciate y'all just taking your time out of the day to listen to this or even listen to a little bit of it. Even if you didn't make it this far, I'm still shouting you out. I appreciate you. Yeah. Follow us on Instagram. Join our Facebook group subscribe rate review the podcast do all the things to help us out share with your friends thank you